Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. And I'm Chris. And welcome back everybody. Thank you guys for joining us once again as we dive further into the world of games. So this week we are going to be discussing games that we have been playing over the last few weeks. Now, Chris has been on a tyrant raid over games this past year and his list is ever growing which is very impressive honestly when you see this list and you can check out all the games that we're beating on the socials uh, and one way to kind of differentiate between our games that we're playing if you want to just do it at a quick glance uh, we have little character icons at the bottom of our frames to show off who has actually beaten what uh, Chris little dog and I'm a little cat obviously <laughs> so You'll notice that there's a major difference between how many dog pictures are coming up versus cat pictures. <laughs> but I feel like I pick really long games uh, a lot of the time. Uh, and that's why for this episode, I actually only have one game, but I've dedicated so much time to this. It's kind of ridiculous. So we're going to have Chris kind of go through a bunch of the titles that he's been finishing up. And uh, I'll just riff on him, you know, call him out for his bad choices. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll have some fun hearing what he's been playing. And then at the towards the end of the episode, uh, we're going to be discussing a lot about Final Fantasy 16. Uh, and we will give you some warning before we hit the spoiler side of it, because we might hit some spoilers or I can almost guarantee we probably will. Oh, yeah. Because uh, yeah, there's a lot to go over in that game. And I know you mentioned that you had some questions still about that one. So I, I'm excited to discuss it because I just finished it yesterday. So it's still fresh in my mind, really happy. And I, I actually enjoyed my time with it. But before we dive into Final Fantasy 16, let's hear what titles you've been playing through, Chris. Yeah, so... Uh, well, I'll start off with games I just picked up basically today and yesterday. Uh, which these will be definitely on our next update episode, and I'm very excited about these. Uh, Viewfinder and Oxenfree 2. Mm, uh, nice. I never played Oxenfree. I've heard people like really praise that game. Um, when you look up like indie like must plays and stuff, like people always bring that title up, and I'm like, huh. I I always like think about like Darkwood instead for some reason. I'm always like, what's oxen free? But uh people keep saying really good things. A lot of people are loving Viewfinder. Like they're not saying it's the new portal, but a lot of people are saying that it's uh, a very well made puzzle and I've been in a big puzzle mood. So to yeah well the, actually the game that's been getting me into puzzles recently is uh Escape Academy. Oh, uh, that's a cool one. I've watched a bunch of footage of that. That looks fun. Yeah, I haven't finished it yet, but it's definitely a game I'm still playing. Uh, this has been like a good little co-op experience. Uh, my wife and I play this like, well, she's been distracted with The Witcher 3, so I haven't really been able to play with her, and she hogs the PlayStation, so I'm, <laughs> you know, I can't even progress a lot of games I want to play. But when we do uh, play Escape Academy, it's cool. Like it the puzzles are never too difficult like we've i think if the amount of puzzles are would fill up the little mural that you're filling up we're definitely at the halfway mark in that yeah, game yeah i think there's like eight or nine 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we've done five, mm-hmm. and uh, it's cool. Like it does feel like an escape room. You know, you're timed, and there's been one or two where we're like close, and there was definitely one where we were starting to get a little heated at each other because I was <laughs> like, "Why aren't you pressing the damn button?" She's like, "I am," but it's like it's slipping, and I'm like, "How does it slip?" And then it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like overcooked vibes. <laughs> How does a vibes. virtual button? Sw- yeah, oh god, overcooked you know. is such a fun game for twenty minutes, and then it's a yelling match at your friends or loved ones. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's the game to make you single kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but Escape Game is cool. Like for people out there that want a good co-op puzzle game, I I recommend it. You know, it's some of the puzzles are kind of difficult like it really especially because there's a time limit behind it mm-hmm. you know if they didn't have a time limit i would say these puzzles aren't too bad but the stress of like you have 25 minutes to get through this whole stage and some of these stages are pretty long uh, yeah. like the last one we made it out and like two minutes left the spare and i like it it's you know the story is whatever you're just you get picked up for this escape academy and you're just going through the motions doing different kind of procedures and stuff. And it's, it's cool, but yeah, the puzzles are just, it, it's good. It, it's been getting me in the mood to play more. There's a twist in that game. Oh yeah. So you must not be. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Like it actually ends up being like a, from what I remember seeing, there's like a whole, like, Someone trying to take over the school kind of deal. So, ooh, yeah, I might be fun. getting close to that. Then I, I feel so. like I there was something. Like the next one. Yeah, I feel like there was something kind of like leading up because I I had to rescue a guy from uh, this ship or something. Oh yeah, so. it was the spy guy, right? Yeah, yeah, that mm-hmm. one was cool. Uh, yeah. That one was stressful, but. uh yeah, so that one's fun. It's been getting me in the mood for puzzles. That's why I want to play Viewfinder so bad. But, uh, you know, another... I guess I'll go through the games I, I'm playing currently right now first. Uh, mm-hmm. Just to get them out of the way, because they're short. Uh, I just started playing Silent Hill 2. I know I did that poll a while ago saying I wanted to play through, you know, you know that or Metal Gear and Silent Hill 1. So, starting with this... I'm playing the enhanced edition version, which is uh, the modded PC version that fixes a lot of things. It's 60 FPS. It's it's got a lot of nice changes. I'll put it that way. And uh, I'm loving it. I am maybe about like an hour, almost two hours into it. And I don't know why it took me this long to play it. I, I remember playing a little bit of it back in the day, but I was more of a Silent Hill 3 fan, just because it seemed creepier, right. but this game's cool, you know, I'm I'm so excited to finally play through this game, like, I'm trying to make it a goal of playing through some of the bigger, more well-known titles from the past that I missed mm-hmm. out on, and this has been one that's been on my radar for, you know, decades at this point but uh, right after that poll i saw that on uh, xbox marketplace they had it like silent hill one two and three for it was on sale for like ten dollars so 
picked up that little collection because of that pull. So hopefully I can get my Xbox fixed real quick and I can jump in with you with that one. Hell yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's it's cool. I, I'm excited to see where that goes. And well, the game that I've been spending the most time on right now, and it's. I guess the reason why I got into this was because after finishing Final Fantasy 16, I was like, I need a new a new RPG. And mm-hmm. well, instead of playing Octopath 2, I went back to the PlayStation with Wild Arms. And yeah, that one's great. I love Wild Arms. It's cool. Like my experience with Wild Arms is I've only played three. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the pure Western game. And I remember always seeing Wild Arms 2 in the store as a kid, and I was like, oh, I like the cover of that, but never ended up playing it. This one, you know, I'm playing it through the um, the PlayStation Plus service, so getting trophies, and the rewind feature is nice. I'm not playing as a purist. I, uh, I've only ever had to do it once, uh, just because I couldn't understand the puzzle. But it's cool. You know, it's very... The puzzles are pretty easy, and the game itself is like, it, there's not a whole lot of systems to it, right? It's just, oh, this one character gets arms, so you find those in chest. Oh, this other person gets his powers through little events that happen. Like, it's a very simple game. And I mean, it should be. I think it came out in 95, 96, so That's right. it's definitely one of the earlier PlayStation titles. And... It's cool. I I know in today's standards, it's not considered, but it's a comfy game to me. Like, mm-hmm. it's very, like, that old school RPG from the PlayStation 1 era. It, even if I haven't played it, it still gives me that nostalgic feeling. Uh, right. Just because that's all I played as a kid. Like, I played a good chunk of RPGs on the PlayStation, but there's still a bunch that I haven't played, which, you know, Wild Arms 1 2, Vagrant Story. Uh, I know there's a few more out there, but though, like, I want to play through Wild Arms 2 next, and I want to definitely play through Vagrant Story because, you know, so many people hold that in regard, and, you know, the people, the team that, you know, helped worked on that, worked on Final Fantasy 16. So it'd be kind of cool to see some kind of correlation. And it is connected a little bit to Final Fantasy 12. So mm. curious about that. But Wild Arms is cool. I'm digging it. I think I think I got almost about 20 hours into it so far. So I'm I feel like I'm pretty far into it. There's been a lot of story changes and stuff, but it's nice. It it's not too difficult and I'm digging it. But you know, looking at the games I've completed since our last episode, uh, you know, I think the last episode, last one I talked about was Final Fantasy 16 was the one I beat. But obviously I didn't want to say too much because I knew you were gonna play it and because well, I beat it within what, a week since it came out and right. I don't wanna be a dick and spoil it for people out there. Uh I might be listening. But since then, I played, I kind of finished a bunch of games that I had started before Final Fantasy and didn't really know if I wanted to play more 
or whatever, but I finished Metroid Prime Remaster, which was nice. amazing. Yeah, you know, that's another game off my bucket list that I've wanted to play for a very long time. And you know, I can it as someone who didn't play it back in the day, even playing it now. Granted, I know the the targeting system is better in this, right? It doesn't have that weird targeting as the old one, but mm -hmm. it holds up. And it holds up so well. Like, it's hard to find games that can be adapted so well throughout generations. And I can see why so many people put this game on a pedestal. And even though it did feel very simple, you know, I, I, don't think I really died or I came really close to it, but the uh, towards the end, towards the end, it got a little crazy with those big dudes and a lot of those like invisible guys. But the final fight is so annoying. It just it was <laughs> tedious. Yeah, like the back to back and stuff. It just was like, come on. But it was still cool. It was flashy and. I loved how that game just kept giving you more and more things you unlock. And I mean, that's the point of a Metroidvania, right? Like it's you unlock new things, you explore more, but the way it did it in 3d was just so damn cool. Like now I see why so many people are like, Oh, this is the pinnacle of 3d, mm -hmm. you know, exploration. And I mean, yeah, it, it is like it, was so cool seeing like everything you unlock and the grappling like think how well that grappling worked and if it was like that in the gamecube version my god yeah it was actually really great on the gamecube one and i think that's why i remember mentioning this in the last episode i talked about it this game plays exactly how i remember it playing and for some reason looks exactly how i remember it looking Mm -hmm. Even though I know that the graphics are incredibly updated. That's just how like well the game was when it first came out. It, it yeah. just has those same standards. And it was such a blast to go through. And the puzzles were fun. Nothing was too frustrating until the end when it starts getting to like the color-coded enemies. That was a little like, okay, mm -hmm. oops, I forgot. Or the ones that change color while you're fighting them. It's like, okay, I get it, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> we can move on from this. Please stop this. But it was it was really fun. And actually, like playing it now with the different aiming system, everything like that, it just felt so good and like so snappy. Right. Like it like everything felt really, really smooth. So this is a great remaster of a classic, honestly. So yeah, I'm happy that you were able to actually play through it all because it's it's great. Yeah, I had stopped, I think, literally at the halfway point. And I just started playing other games because I was like, this is cool, but it just wasn't capturing me. But this mm. was the first one I played after Final Fantasy. And I was like, oh, this this feels great. Like it just it it made me happy and it made me remember a lot of my memories from the GameCube in general, just because I remember seeing this game and its pictures and videos everywhere when it came out. And I wanted it, but I just never got it for some reason. But I remember how beautiful it looked. It, my history with the GameCube is really weird. Like, I played a lot of, like, games that a lot of, like, 
I never played the Pikmin games. I never played, you know, the Metro Prime games. You know, I played Luigi's Mansion, obviously, like most people, I think. I never played Mario Sunshine. Like, there's a lot of big name GameCube games I never touched, but I played, you know, the weird ones, right? Like Chibi Robo and Odama, um, Billy Hatcher. Like, it it's such a weird console. And so that's maybe a goal for, I would love to do it for fall, but I feel like fall is going to be like more horror themed, but I always try to put myself into like a theme of wanting to complete a bunch of games or play games at least. And I think GameCube might be the next platform that I try to like play through more. Mm-hmm. Cause I already have like at least five games I want to play through. So maybe for the winter, you know, I'll, play a bunch of these classics that i missed out on who knows maybe it'll be a gamecube christmas <laughs> Ooh, yeah i like the sound of that i mean it already looks like a present right it's a little box Beautiful. exactly it's got a little yeah. handle yeah just throw a bow on it <laughs> but uh going to another well uh, i guess you could consider it a metroidvania but uh, i finished the star wars jedi survivor oh nice and, uh, you know, I'll be honest with this game. When I played it right after Metroid, it I wasn't liking the game. Mm. For some weird reason. I mean, yes, it did crash on me, but I it crashed on me once. And then after that, like, I never really had any issues with it like everyone else did. But... For some reason, I felt like I was forcing myself to play through it for the first maybe six hours, seven hours of it. And it's a long time to force it. Yeah, because I was like, well, it's pretty. It was pretty to explore, but I was just like, a lot of these systems I had no care for. I just liked the combat. Like, I loved fighting in that game. And I was reaching the point. Of like, well, maybe this is one of the first games in a long time where I just have to stop playing it and, you know, don't even throw it in my backlog. Just be like, well, I'm done. But Mm -hmm. I stuck through with it. I reached a point in the game where more of it clicked and I kind of explored different things with the different combat stances since you get like five different stances, right? You get your... Your single blade, your dual blade, your double-sided blade, um, and then there's two others that you get later uh, that are kind of cool that I ended up using as well. And when it clicked, I I was like, "Oh, this this is fun!" It, you know, it. There's a lot of systems in it, and I think that's what bothered me is that I just felt overwhelmed. Mm. The worlds are massive. In that game, you see a hill in the distance, you can probably go to it. Now, granted, it's not fully open world, right? Like, it's not like massive, but it is, it's like a semi open world. And compared to the first game, like, you, you, you basically want to use mounts to traverse stuff because it's just massive. Mm-hmm. And there's like all these other things you can do, right? There's bounties, there's collectibles. And I just was like, oh, this is too much for me. I I 
don't know if I'm going to be able to have the the drive to collect everything, do everything. And then something in my mind was like, you know what? Screw that. Like, just play the story. If something's in the way, do it. Mm-hmm. Which is weird for me. I'm one of those people that I'm like, I need to experience everything to get my money's worth. But this time I was like, you know what? No, I'm, I'm just going to play the game. And I'm glad I did because I ended up really liking it. You know, there's, there's some things in that game towards the end that I was like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. And I, I enjoyed my time with it. And I'm glad I actually pushed myself through with it. I think maybe the next time with a game, I might not do that just because, like you said, like that is a lot of hours to kind of push yourself through. But yeah, I, I'm glad I did. I thought that the combat in that game was fun and it was, it was enjoyable. You know, I'm glad I played it. I'm having like a weird renaissance right now with Star Wars because yeah. like, we keep bringing it back up with like camp and stuff like that at work and what we might do for camps next summer. Mm-hmm. And I was like thinking about it. I'm like, well, at Disney, they have build your own lightsaber. Why can't Ooh. why can't I 3D print a bunch of modular parts and have the kids build their own and then get to take that home with them? Like, how cool would that be? Right. Because I was asking uh, yeah. one of the guys I work with, he has a bunch of lightsabers from Disney. Like he collects, <laughs> he collects them, right? And mm-hmm. he's actually been bringing them into work so I can see like the modular parts and take them apart and everything like that. But each one is like three hundred dollars. I'm like, oh my Holy god, that much? Shit. Yeah, yeah. Like if you want like the Disney built ones, they're like three hundred dollars. Like the quality is amazing, but $300. Yeah. It's still a lot of money, which is crazy. So yeah, it's, it's where I've been like really diving back into star Wars lately. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I feel like I started getting burnt out by the franchise, uh, you know, with the Mandalorian and all those shows. And then something I was like, "Ah, I think I'm done with star Wars. Like it, just wasn't hitting me anymore and then i played this and i was like yeah i'm still interested you Mm -hmm. know it it makes me want to like check out some of the older star wars games i didn't play like um the jedi outcast and stuff like that like i've played knights of the old republic so i already know what that's like but um right yeah it's just something nice about hearing that lightsaber sway back and forth oh yeah that noise so iconic (laughs) oh yeah uh, and then next, just a bunch of indie titles. Uh, I played through Sludge Life, which was cool. I kind of wanted to play it because I know the sequel came out. And I wanted to see what it was because I would see like Devolver Digital kind of like reference it here and there. And it had like a cool aesthetic. And it was cute. You know, it's a short game. It's like, I don't know, an hour or two. Mm. I think I did an hour and a half and you know you're just this little blob that goes around tagging and you're kind of exploring this little area there's like a worker strike going on and yeah it is an odd little game uh i like that you can just endlessly smoke cigarettes in it and it's you know you got that little tood and that was fun. Uh, I kind of am curious about the sequel, but at the same time, I'm like, I feel like I got enough from that first game that I'm just like, I'm good. Mm. But uh, 
I played a game that I feel like blew up out of nowhere. Uh, this game, I had heard a few other people talking about it, and I'm like, what is this game? I looked at it, and I'm like, eh, whatever. Too time-consuming. And then I heard more people talk about it. I'm like, oh, maybe I should check this out. And I checked out Dave the Diver. Mm. And as a big SteamWorld Dig fan, like massive, I love those games with a passion. You know, that loop just feels so good. Going down, getting your stuff, coming back up, upgrading things, doing it again. This game did that and added like five other systems to it. So for those out there that don't know what this game is, you go diving for fish uh, during the day. In the beginning, you get like two little loops that you can do before you finish the day. Uh, you catch fish, you bring it up, and then at night you run a like sushi restaurant. And basically with the fish that you catch, you can, you know, sell them a sushi at the store and you have to run around, take orders, drop it off, uh, so on and so forth. Later on, you can hire people for it. So it makes it a little bit easier. And then, you know, as you play, there's there's a story to it um, that honestly still kind of reminds me of SteamWorld Dig in the sense that there's like, you know, an ancient civilization and stuff like that. But you know, there's, it's a game that surprised me in a lot of ways because you would play for a bit and then after a chapter or two, a whole new thing would unlock. A whole new, like, mechanic, right? Like, the first ones they throw at you, like, really early in the game are, like, kind of like a encyclopedia that you can unlock all the fish in. And then there's, like shop all these kind of little small features there's like a, a so small side quest kind of thing where it's like oh collect these while you're down there uh, which give you more rewards but then as you play you know i'll talk about the first one because i feel like it's still kind of early in the game but you get like a fish farm hmm. and when you're catching fish and you do it without really damaging them so you have to use like a net and stuff you get fish eggs and those automatically get sent to this fish farm and over time those fish breed more fish obviously and you can either sell them or use them at the restaurant so there's like a passive system going on there and then you know you can upgrade your dishes at the restaurant there's more systems that you unlock kind of like that fish farm but in other ways uh, later on in the game that just add even more things to it and it adds to you know your restaurant as a whole like there's more things you can do with it and it's just like it's a game that just kept throwing a system at you and another system and it just worked really well and i can see why it's gotten like you know over overwhelmingly positive reviews like i think last i checked it was at fifteen thousand, which is bonkers wow. to me but yeah. uh it's a good game i i really enjoyed it a lot and there were times where i was kind of like oh, i'm getting kind of sick of this loop i don't like this one area you go to the next area and it's like oh here here's a whole new kind of fish here's a here's some bigger guys. And it's like, Oh my God, 
this is cool. And it just, it was really good at its pacing. And I think those kind of games, that's what's most important. Because with SteamWorld, you, the further you get, it, it's not too hard. So, like, you get through things kind of quickly. Mm-hmm. And it felt good because you always felt like you were advancing, you were making growth, you were doing something. And so many games that have tried to do this mechanic and formula just don't hit that mark. But this game, I felt like it did. And it introduced them at times where it wasn't overwhelmingly either. Like how I felt with the Star Wars game where everything gets kind of thrown at you at once. This game pieces it out so well that it just it flows into each other. And I thought that was a really good design because, you know, not many do that where they just kind of feed it to you and make it feel normal. But I, I really like that game a lot. The music is fantastic too. Uh, The sprite work is good and you know, it's wholesome. It's a good game. I was very surprised by it. I can see why it's, you know, the indie game of the summer is what it seems like at this point. I mean, it looks like a fantastic game. I definitely want to pick that one up after you showed it to me. I, there's just something about it. It seems so approachable and just fun and lighthearted. So. Yeah, it, it's a good like this. The diving definitely takes some time. Otherwise, I'm like, oh, this would be like the perfect kind of like pick up and play a mobile game. Right, like, oh, yeah. I'm gonna do one loop of the fishing while I'm like on a bus or something like that. But yeah, it it's a good game to just kind of like play before you go to bed, kind of thing. Um, and then quickly, my last two, uh, I finished Mister Sun's Hat Box, which was oh, fun. Cool, nice. Uh, it's a cool little you know roguelike game, uh, basically. Uh, this dude steals your hat package and these dudes build a base under your house or your shop uh, to get your hat back. And basically it, it, I don't know why it reminds me of like end of the gungeon a little bit with the Mm. way the characters look, but it's a side scrolling game where different hats give you different like passives and uh, abilities. And you have like, your characters are expendable and you can recruit people that you, um, I forget the term we talked about the one time, the balloon lifting. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Metal Gear Solid five stuff. Mm -hmm. It's you do that in the game, you get a limited amount. So every run you can take some things back with you and the game was enjoyable. It definitely started getting a little tedious at the end. Uh, I would say that cloud world was pretty, Awful in a lot of ways. Uh, it was a very big jump in difficulty, but I'm I enjoyed it. You know, I I feel like I always need a roguelike, you know, every once in a while. And that one, like it, I guess it's less of a roguelike, more just like a run based game. I feel like that's mm-hmm. something that people are starting to kind of push a point across is that there's a difference between roguelites and run based games. You know, since your whole game doesn't fully start over. But uh, that was a fun game. And lastly, you know, I was talking about RPGs. Uh, I finally got through Chained Echoes. 
uh, after your recommendation of it. Such a good and, game. Uh, I, yeah, I really liked it. It, it had some twists and turns that actually really surprised me. I, I'll say this, like, I feel like I see things happening a mile away, especially in this genre. And mm. there were a few times I was like, whoa, like this, what? Like it, it, it shocked me. And it had everything that I love about, you know, that style of game right like you can recruit people to your town you can you know you get your little gundam suits and you you know the battle system was unique with the overdrive system where you you know you can't you want to keep it in the green you don't want to get into the red which i i thought was really cool you know it was a very unique approach i love that you could switch party members on the fly without it taking a turn Mm -hmm. that's key i hate hate when you're playing a turn-based game and when you switch a party member, it uses their turn. Like it's the worst. Cause you know, sometimes you need that person to be like, just cast one spell. But then yeah. when you take them out there, that enemy will just instantly kill that person. You're like, God damn it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Wasted the turn. But it, I really enjoyed it. You know, that the, the ending and towards the end of it in general, it, got i don't say it got weird it just it got there was RPG. a lot of, <laughs> it, yeah <laughs> yeah it, it you know it, i know that it was trying to take tropes from a lot of the classics and i feel like it did a really good job with the good and the bad mm-hmm. and as you know and i'll let you get into a little bit what your thoughts on because i know you talked about it before but mm-hmm. for me you know for fans of the genre if you like Suikoden, I feel like this game is a very close to it, and not just the recruiting sense, but in a lot of other ways, it it reminded me the most of that. You know, it it does feel like a lot of those classics from the PlayStation One, uh, mm-hmm. but also it does feel like a lot of those like, and I'm not saying this in a bad way. Uh, I know a lot of the a lot of people look at these games as kind of like mid maybe but like the chemco rpgs like the retro inspired ones there are some diamonds in the rough i'll be honest i've played a few of those rpg maker chemco games and there's some good ones mixed in there but Mm -hmm. uh you know it 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 felt good yeah it i feel like in a sea of a lot of fan service games in this genre i think this was a breath of fresh air Right. And I know retro inspired stuff can be kind of tiresome after a while, but I think this game did it really well. I was very surprised by it, especially with, you know, the size of the team and everything. I'm like, God damn, like it, it sucks that that game came out in December and, you know, missed out on a lot of awards and a lot of people's list because it, you know, it, it's a good game. I mean, maybe it'll show up in people's list this year, but that would just be kind of weird too. Yeah. 
Now, I mean, Chand Echoes is fantastic. I, I really loved playing through it. The art style was wonderful to look at. And who doesn't love giant mechs when fighting? I mean, it's just so much fun. And the <laughs> fact that like you're able to just be in your mech fighting and traversing everything was really cool. It wasn't just like a quick, you know, one attack summon thing and then it goes away. No, like... That's a major component to this game. And there's some enemies on the field that if you're not in your mech when you start the fight, well, guess what? You're dead, right? Like, you have to kind of strategize that way. But it was a, it was a very interesting story, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of interesting different twists and turns. And like you said, with most JRPGs, you can kind of see where the story's going. You get it. I mean, we played so many of them now at this point. It's like whenever I watch horror movies. Like, I already know what's happening, but I like it, right? <laughs> like, I'm enjoying it still, but I already know exactly the story, what will happen next. Like, there's only been a few horror movies out there where it's like, oh, wow, like, I did not see that coming at all, you know? Mm-hmm. So, it, it's, it's, I don't know, this one really kind of threw me off, and I, but in a good way, probably one of the best ways. And, there, yeah, it's just... The ending was fantastic, I think, because it, it was completely unexpected with the whole switcheroo of, you know, giving Killian the ability, right? Like, it's just, there's a lot to this. And I feel like this is definitely a game that if you're a fan of the genre, you should play through this because it's so, like, it's so, it's weird. It's familiar, but different all at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. That's and, a good way of putting it. Yeah, like, it's it's a... It's like you've played this game before, but then it's as if you played it for the first time, you know, like, mm-hmm. so it's, it's really, really cool. I, I really enjoyed my time with it. And I, yeah, I, I, I love the ending. I like how it kind of like throws and ties everything together. And, you know, the recruiting of people is fantastic because it just, you know, I, it allows you to expand your home and get new abilities in the, in the meantime as well. Uh, the character designs were super cool. Like, I, Victor was awesome. Like, super rad, right? Mm-hmm. Like, super great character. And I, at first, I didn't because it is pixel art. I didn't get that his hands were gone. Right? Like, oh, like, I don't know that either. Yeah, he he sacrificed his arms. So those are actually metal arms that were crafted by Blacksmith. Uh, yeah. yeah. So like, that's how he got his powers. Is he sacrificed his own arms? But he got nice. he sacrificed his arms in order to save try and save his loved ones right like so there's a a lot to this where like it kind of gives a different meaning behind the magic and the abilities and everything right where it's almost it kind of reminded me like full metal alchemist in a way right where you have Mm. to give to receive and the bigger thing like the bigger the item is that you give or the more meaningful it is then the stronger your powers that you get are right Like, uh, Mm -hmm. your healer who, like, which makes sense. Healing magic, even though we take for granted because they can't put out damage (laughs) in these kind of games, right? Like, that is such an incredibly strong ability. So, giving up entire, like, whole years of your life in order to get this is pretty intense, right? Like, and it's so fitting for a healer to give up their own life to now be able to breathe life into others, right? Like... There, mm-hmm. There's something really interesting about that that is just really meshes well. And just a fun title to play through. I, re- I really enjoyed that one a lot. 
and it made me really want to play just a bunch of RPGs afterwards. <laughs> like I just, <laughs> I just wanted to play more, but there's been a few that just didn't really like scratch that itch until you know recently. And I don't know if you want to start getting into it now. It's a, what do you think? Oh Is it yeah, that time? okay, it's that time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Chandeco's hit really hard. Octopath Traveler Two was so much fun to play through, and then now. Final Fantasy 16, holy crap. Like, I, I know that there's a lot of people out there that didn't vibe with this game because it is such a departure from the franchise. Or some people might think the pacing's a little weird or whatever it may be. I don't know. Like, for some reason, this game clicked with me so well that I absolutely love Final Fantasy 16. I, I thought it was such a fantastic game. As far as the story, the story was so involved because and what's interesting is I feel like if you just play through the main story and focus on that, I can kind of see why it might feel kind of lackluster or not as interesting as maybe you would want it to be. But those side quests that are there really mold out the world that's around you. Right. And they really expand on everything because there is a shit ton of work that's done in just the world building of this game from every single NPC that's out there. Like everyone feels like they have an entire story to tell. And for a good chunk of them that you interact with, like you get to see their whole story. Right. Like you get to learn everything about them. And there's some NPCs that you interact with that actually change things like back at the hideaway or like you'll notice new characters pop up as you're completing side quests and it's like oh like i'm actually making something happen right like you're creating this little rebellion group you're creating like a new world and people who are like-minded to this idea of being able to not just you know choose how you want to die but choose how you want to live right like that's the big thing from final fantasy 16 so it's uh it, yeah it was a lot but maybe like just so people know like spoilers ahead it's coming because it's there's so much to talk about in this title itself mm -hmm. but before we start hitting some like story beats and see how far we really want to go with that what was your initial take on this game like how how did you feel through it because I know that you beat it fairly quickly uh, so I'm curious how that went yeah so I. I like the game. I'll I'll say that much. I I know a lot of people out there in the when it first came out there were some people that obviously, you know, had early copies and talked about it and they were like, "Oh, it's, you know, it it's good, but it takes turns that are, you know, controversial in a sense." And I was a I little worried. See, I didn't see any of that. Like it I read I it, didn't but see some things i think you know a lot of people but the problem is is that's final fantasy in general in a lot right. of ways most final fantasies towards the end take some crazy detour and you know this game no different it does it too and for me like i expect that so i didn't i wasn't turned off by that i think for me my issues with the game are not your typical, oh, this is different from other Final Fantasies, all this. It's more so like, 
I wanted more, mm-hmm. but I didn't want more filler. Mm. Um, there were times where I felt like there was filler, uh, especially when you start getting through like Dalmechia and stuff. I feel like there was just like, why am I doing this? Like, just cut to the chase kind of thing. But I. I wanted a more lively world, and I feel like you get that in the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that middle ground was kind of the hardest part for me to get through. Mm. Uh, but once I got through that, I really liked it. You know, I, the game started off very strong for me. I really liked it. And then the middle part felt very varied. It was kind of like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. I, I liked it, but at times I was kind of like, eh, I'm just playing to get through to the next cool part. But I I did a lot in the game. I didn't complete every side quest, uh, but I completed a lot of the big, I completed all the plus sign ones, mm-hmm. right, to unlock things. Uh, I got the ultimate weapon. I saw the conclusion of some of the main kind of like side companion character side quests mm-hmm. and it that I loved and it bummed me out that it didn't push your attention to those because I feel like a lot of people that have been kind of like saying mixed things about this game maybe didn't experience those side quests that really gave character growth and depth and it's a shame because some of those scenes it's just like wow it it surprised me and made me actually want to play more of it towards the end you know it's for me i was just like oh god it's just the enemy corridor that i'm going down but then when you go out and do a side quest that has a very like heartfelt moment you're like wow this is where did this come from it was so damn good and it just made me want to see more and you know the combat i really liked it you know and i'll say this like i'm a big like traditionalist in that sense like i love my turn base i even love the atb but do i want all final fantasies from now on to have this battle system not really but if it was i wouldn't mind it like i i really like the combat you know, I, I like Devil May Cry. So for me, these kind of like hack and slash games, they're cool. I Well, and how fast your abilities recharged, it really made it so like it was extra incentive to use it. Even having the limit break charge as quickly as it did, it was great mm-hmm. trying to just kind of pair things up and see what it does. And then like messing around with some of the equipment. Like I don't know what you wore at the end, but like I I put on the Berserker ring whenever I got it, and I mm. think I got that through side quests. I don't know if you wore that thing at all. Holy crap, does it change I the game? I saw it, but I don't think I did. Man, like, the description does not do it justice at all. If anyone's playing this game and you have that, put it on and just try it out real quick because every single precision dodge you do, it adds a multiplier to your attack speed. And that's all oh, it says. Yeah, it's that it's, that's all it says it does, but what it actually does 
is it puts you in a little like a mini limit break mode. It's like limit break oh, half, cool. right? But it's not eating your limit break charge at all. So you're attacking faster than you would in your limit break mode. And all of your attacks have fire imbued with them. So you're just like this crazy beast. And like I I think during Ultima, the final or during my final fight, I had a times twenty-two multiplier. So as soon as I dodged, I was in Ultima's face, just like attacking like a madman. And Ultima attacks really, really quickly, but I was able to get off five hits before they even I had to dodge again. Like I was just going at him. Like it was like I was melting that health bar and it was crazy. Where like doing that in like big crowds and stuff, like there's so much cool stuff with that. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, I was very surprised by that ring. I was like, ah, I don't know. Like, let me try it out. And I did a precision dodge and like it slows down time. It looks all cool. And then you come back and I'm like, oh, like I'm not just faster, I'm stronger. Right? Like there's, there's a lot more to this ring than they actually like made it seem like. So it was really, really cool to play through. Damn, that's cool. I wish I would have tried that. Yeah. I I felt like I got very comfortable with a lot of my abilities and my equipment that I just kind of once I stuck to a groove, I just I I went with it. Like I mm. I tried different, you know, icon abilities, especially towards the end when they just start coming at you. Yeah. And you get three like back to back to back. <laughs> like very Yeah, quickly. it's kinda it's a bummer because you don't really get to like fully utilized especially the last one uh mm -hmm. when i was doing like hunt cleanup towards the end like i basically had all of them except that last one and granted it's not the best one for like single foe enemies i feel like oh so i thought it, it was amazing actually the um the zenketsu what's it mm -hmm. called yeah that like will stop time so you just get to unload, like unload a bunch of hits and just uh, take down their well bar really mm. quickly. So it's actually it it it's interesting. All of the moves for Odin are slow down time, stop time, or cancel your own animation. And actually, the cancel animation one is really cool because you know how like someone like Judgment Bolt takes a while and you get stuck there. Like it slows mm -hmm. down the stagger bar because it's like slowing down time to do the animations. But you can actually cancel that animation completely, but it still hits the entire attack. So huh. while Judgment Bolt is going on, you can cancel and then keep doing something else and just like overlap abilities, which is really cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was Bam. there's a lot of interesting synergy in that game that I really enjoyed with the with the combat itself. But uh, like you said, with the. I do feel bad that a lot of people who just focus on the main story didn't get the side quests and like a lot of this like closure, especially towards the end of the game. Because I remember like uh, early on, I watched one review of it, a very early review. Uh, and someone had brought up the fact that, oh, the side quests are there, but they don't add anything to the story at all. So like a lot of people and I saw that a lot in articles and stuff where it's like, oh, it doesn't really do much for anything. But that could be that couldn't be further from the truth. Like those side quests really help build this world and give you a better understanding of what's actually going on. Like the entire time you're playing the game, you know, like, OK, people hate bearers. It make, like it's pretty prevalent, mm -hmm. right? Like they are branded. They are slaves. They are sold until they and worked until they die. Right. And turn to stone. But like there's some side quests very early on in the game 
where you go to a specific town. I forgot what town it was called, but it was like the most racist town against Brandon like mm-hmm. ever. And there's two side quests you get back to back. They're like right next to each other. One of them is to help uh, a nobleman. He's like, oh, my son's being attacked by a wolf. Please help me. So you go out there, you see a one lone wolf in front of this little tiny boy. You go up and you just wreck it because it's like one wolf, whatever. And then the boy starts like bad mouthing you and going, what are you doing? You killed Wolfie. Like, like he's not the one that's supposed to die. You are. Right. And then you look and there's a, a couple other dead bodies there that the wolf had killed, but they were branded. And then it comes to find out that the noble and his son have been playing this game for a while because there's a someone else that comes up an NPC that says like, oh, let me help you bury the bodies. They've been doing this for, you know, like let you know, like this has been going on. Right. Mm-hmm. So like this is just their game to pass the time and, and teaching the kid that like, oh, they're just scum. They're nothing. And then right after that, there's a little girl like crying for her lost pet. And like, and she's asking like, where's Chloe? Can you help me go find Chloe? And the way she describes her is like, oh, she has more white hair than brown hair. And you're like, okay, like, let me go look for Chloe. And in the field, you happen to run across a dog that's brown and white. But that's not Chloe. And the dog's growling at a person that is laying down on the ground who happened to have been turned to stone. It was a branded. The little girl pops up and goes, oh, come on, Chloe, get up. Like to the lady that is dead on the floor, right? And like her response is basically, oh, this sucks that she died. Now I have to wait for dad to get enough money to get me another Chloe, right? Like (laughs) how messed up is that? There's so many little nuanced things like this in all the side quests. And then I feel like at the end of the game, those side quests really put a wonderful bookend to it. Like it was the perfect goodbye. And I feel like some people might feel like the ending was a little like, why did that have to happen, right? Like, like why did he have to, right? Like uh, the whole self-sacrifice thing that's there in the end. But mm-hmm. all of those side quests that were there, because as soon as that final battle pops up, like I think 15 side quests just magically show up on the board. And it's a little overwhelming for someone like me who wants to finish all of them. And I was like, oh, crap, I thought it was only an hour out for the rest of this game. And then all this shit shows up. (laughs) So it ends up taking me a whole extra day to play through it all. But I'm happy I did because there's so much closure in these stories. And every NPC had such an amazing story to tell, even if it didn't, you know, change the fate or if it was just kind of like a, a slightly minor character ish. Right. Like didn't really make that huge of an impact it still meant something to Clive, right? Like Clive had to say, like had these wonderful moments with the like final moments with these people. And like even the one that hit me the hardest and like, which is hilarious because all of them are great. Like you would think it would be the one with Jill, right? Because it's his mm-hmm. loved one and everything. No, it's, it's freaking Torgal. <laughs> like the side quest of Torgal was so beautiful because you go to this tree house that is like your it's where you would escape to as a kid when you were depressed and it would just be you and Torgal right there right next to each other and just like comforting one another right Mm -hmm. and Torgal starts digging around in a corner and kind of basically unearths the armor that you were wearing at Phoenix Gate when you disappeared and then like you're just kind of like starting to realize like oh my god like Torgal collected this stuff Torgal's been looking for me this whole time like like it just shows how much Torgal was there for you 
right from the very beginning and never forgot about you and it was like it just loved you unconditionally just like any animal could right and then the final thing he brings out is your training sword like it just is a little wooden sword but it just like really hit home and it was such a beautiful moment and of course that becomes like a memorabilia piece that you put up in your home or your room right mm-hmm. but like it was such a, a like beautiful moment in this game and it's a side quest. It's not part of the main story. I feel like all of those bookends to the stories really should have been kind of forced on the player a little bit more so that they can really get that story out of it. Like, I feel like maybe like my one and only complaint about Final Fantasy 16 is that it is probably the first Final Fantasy that if you don't give a crap about the story, you can completely miss it, right? Uh, you can just go headstrong through all the fights and just walk through being done with a game instead of actually getting the full thing out of it. Like Final Fantasy VII, you have to go through the story. Final Fantasy IX, you have to go through like all of them, right? You have to go through the story to really like to even beat the game or play through any of it. This one felt like it was starting to put story on the back burner. And that was my one only complaint. I mean, luckily I'm, I, I wanted it, so I did the side quest anyway, so I can still get that. But the fact that that was missable, that that's a little sad to me. Because I feel like a lot of players are going to miss that. Yeah, and it's a bummer because, I mean, in the beginning, those side quests are pretty awful. You know, it's very, like, MMO-ish where it's like, oh, like, do this. And it just, it lacks personality. People, yeah. And then, like, the ones you brought up with the, the slaves and stuff, that's when I feel like the quest started to get interesting. And then... It would be where, like, you pick up five quests and two of them were interesting, right? They they told more of a story. They were different. And then the other ones were just more collect-a-thon stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because, they're, like you said, there's really good quests in this game. They're just kind of scattered. And especially towards the end, that's when you really start seeing everything because... You know, they are trying to conclude it. And it's a shame because by that point, probably most people will be like, oh, all these side quests are kind of the same. They're kind of lame. Why do them? You know, like I almost fell into that group. Like I I got all the quests that had the plus on them. And I I basically did all the side quests that you would always get out, get at your hideaway. Because mm. uh, I figured, oh, well, I'm there. I might as well pick them up. So I was able to experience quite a bit of those. Uh, basically up until right at the end. I think that's when I was like, eh. Like, I, di- I did Jill's. I don't, I know, I didn't do Torgles. So I, that was, like, new to me. But it, it's a shame. And it's interesting because I feel like this is a thing a lot of people usually complain about in games where it's like they force all this lore on you when a lot of people just want to keep playing the main story. So it's yeah. interesting that when a game does it like this, where it's all like, if you want more lore, do the side quest. But the thing is, is you, they don't... They don't guide you to it, and they don't make it welcoming to get to it, right? Because you have to do a bunch of side quests that are kind of boring until you get the very interesting ones. 
So I feel like some of them were like locked behind other quests. You have to do them in order too, but they're Mm -hmm. all side quests, right? That too. And it's like, I don't know why they thought that was a good idea because it, it really undersells the game. And, you know, like that was kind of a big complaint. I saw people say was the story. And, you know, I, I enjoyed it. You know, to me, I've had some people ask me like, well, what's your thoughts like on it as a final fantasy entry? And I like the game a lot. Is it going to be like one of my favorite final fantasies? No, but I had more fun with it than I ever did with 15. Mm-hmm. I, I want to give 13 another chance. Cause I feel like I played it at a not so great, time in my life so i didn't really focus on it it's actually but from fun. what i played it's actually fun that's what i keep hearing a lot of people when people were starting to bag on 16 people were like oh well 13 should get another chance and i'm like maybe i should give that a chance but you know for me like i i like the game because it was different i i like the mature approach to a story even though like there were a lot of game of thrones things that you know it it felt too similar to it but there were also things that did feel like other square enix you know properties right like a lot of people seem to forget that square enix makes or publishes games that are also kind of mature right and same Mm -hmm. with the team like a lot of that team worked on you know, Vagrant Story, Final Fantasy Tactics, which are Tactics Ogre too, mm-hmm. which, you know, all three of those games are pretty mature for what they're doing. And Devil May Cry. Like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you look at that, and I I want more mature RPGs because I feel like nowadays it's very, like, oh, we're in high school. Let's do these social links, or let's do this. Oh, like, we need our, like, questionably aged character you know like it's i i want more of adult rpgs like this in a sense it and i mean that they just threw the word fucking like just to do it <laughs> because they could yeah it is everywhere in this game like holy crap yeah like- <laughs> They, it, it's interesting, you know, this game made me want to play Stranger Paradise. So I ended up picking that up also right after finishing it, Mm. Uh, which I know, you know, it's not a mainline Final Fantasy, but it is a spinoff and I usually enjoy Final Fantasy spinoffs. So I'm excited to give that a try because I like those kind of games too. So, but with 16, I the thing I was most excited about were the summons, right? The icons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Final Fantasy in general, that's one of my favorite things about the franchise are summons. You know, 6 had so many, it, it made me a very happy person. And, you know, 10, it's basically Pokemon, yeah. which was awesome. And all like every Final Fantasy was cool because you see these massive beings that are just strong and 
you know, when you first get him, you're like, what does this do? Oh my God, a doom train. What does this thing do? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's cool. And, you know, I, I never really got in the point where like in 12, 13, like seeing how their summons worked. And I feel like 15, it was kind of different, but yeah. with this, it, it was cool. You know, I feel like those fights definitely feel like they dragged on a little bit. The Titan I will, fight. Holy crap. It was a long fight. It, and you know, a lot of it was cool and cinematic. I feel like when the Titan fight, the cinematic parts of it were really cool. Mm-hmm. I really like that. But when you're doing the actual fighting, when it's like, I'm going to do a sidestep. Okay. Ability sidestep ability. It became repetitive in that. Yeah. It was repetitive because it's not like the main combat where you can chain your different abilities and, you know, get all crazy with it. And those icons, I know they wanted to make it feel like a struggle because that's probably what it would feel like if you were there. But when they're acting like a, you know, bullet sponge kind of thing, it it made me kind of think like, oh, I just want this fight to be over with, mm-hmm. which is a bummer because when it's the cinematic parts of it, right? Like the, the QTE, quick time events, mm-hmm. those were cool, right? Like yeah. when you're mashing on that square button, he's grunting and the screen gets closer and your, your character's mm-hmm. getting angrier. You're like, oh my God, I feel like I'm in the moment. That was awesome. That was so damn cool. It, it felt like Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. And I love that. And that's what I wanted more of in those fights. When it came down to, you know, your your sidestep stuff, it it just got kind of boring. And it took me out of that like extreme measure. Now overall, I, I mean I really did enjoy those fights. So I'm not saying like that was a thing that made me hate. I will that say like segment. I feel like there's a reason for that fight feeling so uh, like you, you're weak and you can't do a lot of moves because like yeah. as the game progresses, you as like as if it can do more and more and your attacks become smoother and smoother and faster and faster and you get abilities that go with it. Right. So it mm-hmm. feels more uh, like close to what your actual like regular combat is, is Clive. Right. And I, I think, you know, that during the Titan fight, he still didn't fully know how to prime, right? Mm-hmm. So he still doesn't have full control over how to fight. And then later, like, you can prime. You know how to do this. And you get the combination of the Sons of Fire, right? Like, you plus Phoenix is so dope. That was such a cool part, fight, like, part with Behemoth, right? Like, amazing, amazing fight scene there. But, like, it, it kind of showed, like, a natural progression where, I mean, if they threw everything in the beginning where you're able to move like you're able to in, like, the final fight against Ultima, mm-hmm. it you wouldn't get that progression just like you did with Clive's battles, right? Because, like, as you're fighting as Clive at first, it was a lot of, you know, rinse and repeat at first. And then you start learning combos and then you get, like, complete screen melters, right? Like the Phoenix Flames or the Rebirth ability or whatever. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if you fully upgrade that, it's like a 15 second attack. And I used to just like at, towards the end, I was running into the middle of the, the biggest. Best. Yeah. into the hugest crowd, pop that ability and then just watch the rainbow combo meters go up on the side. 
and then everyone's dead and you walk away. <laughs> right? Like, how cool is that? Like, it's And just, you heal, too. Yeah, right? Like, it just makes it feel so powerful. And I feel like that that's the same thing with the icon fights, right? Like, you get stronger as you progress through the story. You become more in sync with Ifrit. And it just... It's like, you know, if you get a brand new ability or someone gives you a new sword, right? Like, you're not going to know how to use it perfectly in the beginning. You need time to attune with it and learn how to use this thing. Learn how to learn use this tool. So, at, at first, I was a little bummed by it because the Titan fight was feeling really long. And for me, it got twice as long because, <laughs> like, uh, halfway through the fight, no, actually, I had just... Like, I was about to spike Titan, right? Like, at the final mm-hmm. bit of it. It was literally the end of the fight. Um, I had to walk away, so I went to go put the PS5 in rest mode, and I accidentally hit turn off. Oh. And then I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I realized, like, I had to do the whole Titan fight all over again whenever I get back to it. I was like, oh, my God. So, like, oh. yeah, I had to do that twice. But, you know, it was fine. I... I was able to get through it no problem I wasn't angry at it. it didn't stop me from doing it and i will say the titan fight is the first time in the game that i was reminded oh yeah devil may cry people worked on this game <laughs> like the music changed it became like techno upbeat right when you're fighting techno or titan lost and mm-hmm. like it just so like it was straight up devil may cry like the character design everything so it was pretty epic there but I'm actually curious, uh, what is your favorite fight in there? Or which one really stood out to you the most? Hmm. I feel like I have a big love and hate for the Bahamut fight because I hated how long that fight felt like it took. Like I felt like that was like the longest fight for some weird reason. That was a lot of fight. Because it's like he would warp away and you would have to like, you know, do your little lunge to get to him. And it was just like, come on, dude. Like mm-hmm. it it prolonged it longer than it should have been. Yeah. But it was so flashy and cool. Like, oh man, that one was just so over the top and fascinating mm-hmm. that I really liked it. I I think that, that might one. be it. You know? Like, for visuals, man, that was a lot, right? Going up in mm-hmm. space, everything. That was a beautiful fight. The first time that you sync with Phoenix as well. Like, such a cool moment. And, like, when you sync with Phoenix, I was just like, oh, my God, it's like the pictures. You know, like the murals that you keep finding. Like, is that the wings? Is that what that's supposed to represent? Of course, mm-hmm. I was wrong, right? <laughs> but like, mm-hmm. it kind of had to like think about it for a second. But no, I think my favorite fight out of all the the ones you have to do is the battle against Odin. I oh, really yeah. enjoyed that fight because you don't, and actually, that one has the least amount of time fighting as an icon, right? Like, it's very quick. Most of the fight, you're fighting as Clive, and you're fighting against Odin like in semi prime form, right? But it just reminded me of like it it was two battles of just pure will going at each other and what i really enjoyed about it is that barnabas who's odin's dominant um and the king of waylude he he went through something very similar 
to Clive as far as being recruited by Ultima, right? And of course, you know, Barnabas's role is to set, uh, prepare Mythos, prepare the vessel. But like you can see that he had a similar standpoint where his goal was to save the world. Like that was his will incarnate was to save the world. He just went on the other side of the coin where he went with Ultima. He went with the divine, their God, their creator, which is understandable, right? Like if someone presents you a God, like literal God in front of you, the creation of everyone around you, like it's kind of hard to say no, right? Like, and they, he was a very faithful man before um, being Ultima's like little puppet guy, right? Like, so it, mm-hmm. it is very interesting to see that, like, at the end, even Clive realizing that, like, well, like we both had the same mindset, we're just approaching it very differently, right? So, like, I like that because no one's evil to just be purely evil, right? And I like when they throw characters in like that. So that was a really, really cool fight. I really enjoyed that one a lot. Like the Ultima fight was cool, but it was very flashy. <laughs> and it was hard to yeah. see what the hell was going on in the screen sometimes. So I'm just swinging wildly and being like, Man, all right, I'm hitting. <laughs> yeah, I'm smashing buttons at that point. <laughs> yeah. But it was uh, what I did. Well, like I will say I liked was the first part of the Ultima fight. The second part where it's just like, fuck, like crazy lights and Dragon Ball Z and anime fight like crazy it was fun to look at but hard as hell was going on when you were fighting and matching icon for icon like that was cool I, I like that mm-hmm. a lot that was a really cool scene but yeah I, I had to give it to the Odin fight and just all the Odin fights I, I thought they were really interesting because Clive con- like consistently wanted to fight Barnabas as himself right like mm-hmm. he wasn't trying to rely on if it or like it didn't feel like it right like it, it at any point he could have just primed and tried to go after odin like that like he has with every other icon before that but for some reason with barnabas like he needed to fight him as himself and it really speaks to like a deeper meaning behind that the story there right like you can trade so many so many more words with a single fist right or a punch like it, they even talk about that like in other animes like naruto and everything right like through their fists, they can communicate better than they could with their words. And I feel like that was what was going on with Barnabas and Clive. It was, it was a really cool fight. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, and dude, Odin looked so damn cool in it. Like, Odin was always like one of my favorites throughout the franchise. You know, I remember in 7 being like, oh my god, this dude's crazy. Yeah. And just throughout the games, like, oh, But this one was just freaky. I mean, his sword can cut through creation itself, right? Like, just that mm-hmm. line, I was like, ah, oh, damn. And then he goes and parts the sea. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> right? Like, it was so cool to see all that stuff. And just, like, the whole idea of Odin's there to sever the bonds of his will and his connections to humanity, right? Like, what an interesting way of playing at that. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was it was very, very clever. It was amazing. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Hope you guys have enjoyed our little conversation here as we dive into games that we have been playing. And for a good chunk of that end there was all about Final Fantasy 16. So if you stuck with it through this and you're annoyed about spoilers, sorry, we warned you. Uh, <laughs> but it's such I, we I feel like we kept it pretty light still. 
we're able to you know lighten it up so that you can still enjoy your time with the game and just have fun with it and I really I, I recommend this game to everybody I think it's a great addition to the franchise it's just so much fun to play with and the icons are amazing visuals are there at ah, primo love that title love my time with it but anyway we'll talk to you guys next week with some more games but until then bye for now